Okay. I'll start. Um, no, but fine. Welcome to Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast, a production of Verso Studios at the Westport Library. And my name is Migs Burroughs. And I'm Trace Burroughs. I'm, I'm Migs' brother, if you didn't. <laughs> um, t- on today's show, we have Rita Rudner, which kind of waiting a long time to have you on our show. Um, and this isn't just like, um, you know, like uh, host BS, but I always like loved your comedy stand up. And I love you. Your... Did you know I wrote a book? No, not until I started. Okay, you, now you can know, you show it? Yeah, the book is called <laughs> People Who Can't Hear See. My Life in Dog. We don't want to talk to you. We want to talk to your book. Yeah, no right talk- now. No, it's, I, I called it my life in dog years because I love dogs and I divided my life into my five dogs because it's so good oh. when you have dogs and they represent different things in your lives. It, and what yeah. is the essence of, of your book? About, all about your dog and how he's... And- no, it's all about um, my whole life from from the whole, from my first dog, which my dad picked out, which was a German Shepherd that I named Tiny because I didn't know how big she'd get. And I was very small. And then um, all through, because a lot of, it just was, I've had a lot of things that I wanted to remember about um, being a dancer. I left home at 15 and I was a dancer on Broadway for 10 or 11 years before I became a comedian. And I worked with lots of um, interesting people and did lots of good shows. And then I thought it was interesting. People always say, how did you, be- you know, become a stand-up? So I wrote how I became a stand-up. That's what I was going to just ask you. Like, so how did you switch from dancing to like, this, how did you know you were funny? I mean, I was never funny. That's the thing. Your, your uh, delivery is kind of dry. So it's almost like you don't say, hey, this is the joke. It's kind never. of like. They have to funny. figure out it's funny. Yeah. I don't yeah. like to do this is funny. You better laugh at this because sometimes people have a rhythm and they laugh and they don't know why they're laughing. So yeah. I like to just say it like a regular thing. And then they think about it and they know why they're laughing, which is why I can't work after midnight because people have been drinking and their brains don't connect. So I always had to go on early in the evening before people became foggy. Yeah. So you weren't, so when you're dancing, like you weren't Promises, Promises and a bunch of other plays, did you, you weren't the, the known as the funny dancer back Never, I, I never said anything because I, I oh. was very shy because I was always younger than everybody because I was started, um, my first Broadway show was when I was 17 and I did Broadway till I was 27. And so I started, I was a late talker, I was 27. And I said, you know, I've been on Broadway for 10 years and I've done a lot of dancing and people, you know, there's a very, very known fact that dancers don't get better after 27. I don't know if you knew that. Well, it's <laughs> a shelf life, we all have a shelf life. And then they have to stop. And I said, I better figure out something else I can do. Hmm. And I didn't have an education. I mean, I graduated high school, but I didn't go to college or anything. So. I said, you know, there aren't too many female comedians. Why don't I try a field that isn't crowded? So that's why I decided to learn how to do comedy. And I did like my little old comedy courses every day where I went in New York City to Museum of Broadcasting, the Center Lincoln Center Library, and film festivals, and I learned how to do jokes. Well, you really studied. I mean, it was really an academic pursuit. Almost. Academic course. I created my own little, um, my comedy college and I did it. And then I, every day I would go after my show on, I was in Annie on Broadway. I would go and sit in comedy clubs and say, why is this funny? Why is this a joke? And then listen to records and say, why or why was anybody laughing? And then leave um, messages on people's answering machines. All my friends, is this a joke? Is this funny? Is uh-huh. this anything? And then gradually you, you get there if you keep going. 
you studied it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you ultimately have to trust yourself that it's funny now, right? Or do you still do calls in the middle? Oh, of uh, the audience. I don't try. I don't use my friends or my husband or anybody. <laughs> I just use the audience because you know there's nothing more honest than an audience because an audience never gets together before the show and says, "Let's laugh at that." That let's not laugh at that. So well, what if you get a dumb it just, one? it's like, an instinct. What happens if you're some part of the country where they're not very sophisticated and you tell a cool joke and they just look at you because? Yes, I, I judge my audience and I know what they're going to like and what they're not going to like. Oh, so, yeah. you know, you don't do certain jokes. You know, when I work in um, like a, a, when I work for um, a Jewish, a Jewish organization, I can do Jewish jokes because I'm Jewish and they're Jewish. But if I do a, an audience where it's um, a lot of mixed people, who, which is always the best audience when they're people from different religions, different backgrounds, different walks of life. That's always the best audience. You can't do jokes that are that specific. You have to do jokes that are a little bit more general. Right. So I've heard comedians talk about the, that's a good room. That's not a good room. I like playing this because it's a good room. Is that a myth? Is there really such thing as a good room? I mean, yeah, not people, but a room. Yeah, because you have to be close together with a low ceiling. Uh, and, oh. and that's a comedy club. I recently... Um, I agreed because a friend, you know, I get asked to do lots of benefits all the time. And one of my friends asked me to do a benefit and they told me, you know, it was 500 people and it was raising money for a good cause. And I said, okay. And they just told me a few days ago, oh, and it's outside. I said, oh my God. Oh, that's, that's a big Nothing is ever way. funny outside. <laughs> you can't, you can't, because the laughter dissipates and it's oh. just awful, but I already agreed to do it. So I got to try to be, and it's outside at night. And oh, anyway, I this is what I got myself into. So I deserve it. So it's a room question. But you know, what's a good room where I'm going to play at the Ridgefield Comedy Playhouse. I can't wait to come. And that's the best audiences are theater audiences, I said, because they really, really wanted to come because it's not easy. It's not easy to leave your house and get into traffic and find a parking spot and sit next to a stranger. And, you know, they really wanted to be there. So those are the best audiences. I can't. When am I there? I think I'm there April 26th. 26th. And then you'll be, if people want to go down to New Jersey, you'll be at the Red Bank at 27th. And if they want to go to Philly, you'll be on the Philly at the 28th. You got it all. Because when I go across country, I don't go across for just one show. They have to put three or four shows together because sure. it's too long. I don't want to do it unless they're three shows together. So they did it for me. And then um, Martin, my husband, sometimes he comes with me, but only really if it's an excite, like if it's London or Hawaii or Australia. And point. he didn't want to come to to um, New Jersey and Connecticut. <laughs> 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 so Nobody wants to come to New Jersey. Well, I do. I love I love New Jersey. I've been there quite a bit. I, I, I started my comedy roots with a Jerry Stanley Comedy Clubs, who was this old comedy booker who's in my um excuse me, who's in my book. And we used to it used to be three comedians in a car, and it was the headliner, the middle act, and the bad comedian who had a car. Uh, Wait yeah. a second, I'm gonna cough. <laughs> okay. So let, I'm let me ask you this. If, if you don't remember what I'm about to ask you, I won't be offended. <laughs> yeah. You worked together for a short period of time. And Where anim- was that? You, you, animation was hot. It was after South Park. I did something from Margaret Cho and Howard Stern, and you had an idea for a series, and and I said I would do the uh, presentation. Um, wow! Well, thank you. That was a 
good presentation. I remember that. And it was, um, I remember Martin and I, because Martin is always the one with the ideas and yeah. the follow through and I'm the scatty one. So he had an idea for a, an adult, an adult um, animation show. Right. where they weren't kids and everyone said that will never work it has to be kids they're not going to do it and so we didn't get and then now there's just those of animations with adults in them so who's who yeah. who knows who knows yeah well we thank you for doing that that was a very nice job you did sorry that didn't uh, pan out for you oh please you i have a whole litany <laughs> of things that don't pan out they're in my book <laughs> well you ever speaking of adult animation we were on was it dr katz did you ever do no that? but i'm a friend of jonathan's and i did dr oh. katz Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, he. that's another one. He did. He got a very successful show on Comedy Central, which yeah. it was a very, very good yeah, show. Yeah, I loved his show. Yeah. Yeah. But that, it, it, that was more specific. It was It was more a, um, it was really innovative, a reality kind of a show with real people who were comedians. Yeah. No, that's cool. So, this is a weird uh, hypothetical question. So, you know how they do Desert Island Discs, if you're trapped on Desert Island, what, what, um, what, what CD would you take with you? So let's say there's a, a comedy cruise sinks and, and you and one other you and, and you you're survive and you go to a desert island and there's one other you can pick from one other comedian to open for you on the desert island. It could be a, a newcomer. It could be up and coming. I don't you know, that's so silly because I don't watch any comedy. Oh, no. So oh. It would be one of my friends. It oh. would be a friend I'm working with um, who I've known forever, who's one of the funniest people in the world, Larry Amorose. Oh, and yeah. we worked together from 40 years ago and I just had a meeting. We're doing a new project with him and he writes for Barry Manilow and he wrote for Joan Rivers. So I would go with my friend because if you're on a desert island, don't you want to be with your friend? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's and good. my friend, Louis Anderson, we always got along great and I would always want to be with him any place. Oh, yeah. Have you ever done comedy on a cruise? Oh, I just, there's nothing funnier than being uh, on the road with Louis Anderson. Yeah, we had a great <laughs> You enjoyed your cruise stint, your gig on a cruise. Yeah, yeah because I always, it's it, it's a fantastic um, way for me to, to get a vacation with my family because my daughter and my husband come. We're doing, um, she couldn't come with us because I have another cruise that I'm going to Hawaii in um, October, I think. But she loves Hawaii. And we're taking her to Hawaii without me doing a cruise because I don't go anywhere unless I work. But I am doing a comedy club in Hawaii called the Blue Note, which uh -huh. is really fun. And it's in the same hotel. So convenience and I like convenience and money. Those two things. Do you like that? Convenience and money? Yeah. They go together like a horse and carriage. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So that's what's happening. She's 30 and 21, my little girl, and we have to go oh. to Hawaii with her and, and we're having some family join us there. So it's going to be fun. Does the cruise comp you the price of the of the trip? Of, of, I mean, besides for your fee as a comedian, you, did they comp Yeah. You? Why would else would I go? It's like a great vacation. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it sounds like a good deal. Does your daughter have but that's why, pardon what? Oh, no, I didn't interrupt. I just asked if your daughter had comedic aspirations. No, she's a singer-songwriter. So oh. she's, um, her name is Molly Bergman. You have to look her up because she's really good. And she's doing a show at a theater this summer. She's in um, a music school now. Plays the guitar and the piano and the mandolin. And she's learning the drums and she writes songs. And um, she opened for me, actually, when I did two of the cruises. She opens for me quite a bit because she's free and she's oh. good. 
<laughs> Again, money and convenience. Yeah, yeah. Like nice Where I'm from. Have your family all involved. Yeah. So who did who gave you your was it Rodney Danger? There's an early clip of you, which was great with Rodney introduces you, but did he give you your who gave you your real break on I stage? can't remember the exact order. I think I got it right in the book, but it's um the first thing I ever did was the Catch Rising Star 10th anniversary special where I got four minutes and they introduced me as a new comedian and I was the only one in the middle of Billy Crystal and Robin Williams oh. and Annie Kaufman oh. and Pat Benatar and um, a lot of really good people. And then after that, I think I was on, I might've done Letterman once and then maybe then Rodney, but Rodney was very nice to me. Mm. Yes, he was, he was a very strange guy, but he was, he loved comedy and he loved jokes and he was encouraging to me in the way that only Rodney Dagerfield could be encouraging. He saw my act and he pulled me over one night in, at Catch and he said, you're very funny. It takes a long time. Sometimes you never make it. And I said, well, thank you for the encouragement, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> but he wanted to warn me. There were tough times ahead. And then he said, would you be on my show? And I said, oh, my gosh, yes. So he was very, very helpful to me. People still remember that show after all these years. No, it was great. Well, actually, that leads me to a question about which I think is the best advice I've ever heard from anyone. You, in some interview, you said, and which would make a great commencement speech, don't follow your dreams. Do you want to expand no, on that a little no, bit? No, don't fo follow things that happen while you're awake. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because if you follow your dreams, you get into this place where it's never going to work. Because I just think that you have to mod you have to modify your dreams. You know, if, at this point, if I wanted to be an astronaut, no, it's not going to happen. I wanted to be a ballerina, but um, I was didn't have the right feet. And there's no way I'm going to get the right feet. So mm -hmm. I said, well, I like dancing. Why don't I take jazz? And then, you know, I started taking acrobatics and tap and modern, all the different types of dancing so I could be ready. Another, I, I do the little bits of advice in my book, too, about because I tell you the things I've done right and the things I've done wrong. And you have to get ready before the opportunity. <laughs> a yeah. lot of people wait for the opportunity and then, oh, now I'm going to do this. No, like Martin and I, when we were, wrote our first movie, which was Peter's Friends that got made, we had been writing movies and going to um, film writing classes for a good five years and writing movies. So when we got the opportunity, we were ready to write a movie instead of saying, oh, there's an opportunity. I better go to film class. Better figure it out. Yeah, right. Yeah. So how, but what about people who are delusional, you know, and think like, I can't help them. <laughs> They're on their own. <laughs> I have a friend who's 75 who thinks she's going to be on Star on Broadway. She's on her own. I've tried to tell her. We're going to flower shop. She won't listen. Yeah. Where, yeah. where did they gown? When did, how early on did you, did was that right out of the box? You started wearing gowns or has that become, you know? No, I was... And when Martin, my husband, because I met him because he hired me and I slept with him, so I should really be suing him. Um, <laughs> he was, he saw me on stage and he thought it was funny. And he hired me to do a show in um, Scotland, in Ed the Edinburgh Festival. And then I did shows for him in London and Australia. And he said, you know, people are going to be looking at you. Why, why are you dressed like a Jewish cowgirl? And I said, because <laughs> I was. I was in my Ralph Lauren period where I was wearing boots and I looked like, you know, I was just coming in from the farm. So he said, you know, where, why don't you wear a pretty dress? Because, you know, people will, it's, you're going to, they're going to look at you for an hour. It was for my first HBO special, Born to be Mild, with the first time I wore a gown. 
And um, he bought me this gown and I'd never had a gown before. And I wore it and I wore it and I wore it till I heard in a radio show, somebody said, doesn't Rita Redner have another dress? So uh, I said, oh, I better go buy another one. And then it just became a thing that that's kind of my signature as I wear a pretty dress. Once I was working in Atlantic City and I said, I'm just gonna try it. And I wore a sparkly uh, pantsuit like with sequins and everything. It wasn't, you know, like I wasn't dressed up, but the first question, because I was asked for questions after I do my act, um, was why are you wearing a gown? So I said, okay, never mind. I made a mistake. So I, in fact, I just got a gown because, oh, you don't want to hear, but who yeah, knows? Do, yeah, know? I was going to ask, do designers send you things or do you should? No, 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 no. I just, I delight in getting things for um, a low price. So I, need a gown because I'm doing this other gig and I work for this woman every year and I have to buy a different gown because they've seen me and they take pictures. So it's coming up. And Martin and I, we had a meeting and I didn't have the right anyway. So I was out of town and I had to buy a thing. So I go to the store, Saxoff Fifth, and there's one gown on the designer rack and it's got all these different prices on it. And it starts at $4,000. <laughs> and, and then it goes down to two to one to nine. And I said, well, my thing is you go, we have to ask people to scan it to see what price it really is. So I went up to the register and I said, um, I, this has four different prices on it. Could you just scan it for me and tell me the real price? And it, including tax, it was $241. So mm. I'm very excited. Mm. I bought a $4,000 dress for 200 and probably 230 something because that was including tax. Wow. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yes. So that that's my my kind of excitement. As you can see, I live on the edge. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you something else to be excited about. So in one of your uh, your recent things, you talk about your anxiety about uh, the Internet and the cloud. And I'm going to show you right now that where all your data is. There's oh, the there it is. I love it because I love anything that sparkles. Yeah, look at that's that's I the, love it. That's where my print my things are. Hello. That's all your data is in there. That's all my data right up there. I, I should get one. <laughs> yeah, you can get them online. Like I yeah, know. I don't do anything and I know I should, but you know, yeah. my audience is older anyway and they don't care. So they know me and they come and they relate. That's very yeah, relatable. We laugh and we talk about things we don't understand. Exactly. Well, how many years were you in Vegas with that residency you did? I think I was six or seven years with my own room at New York, New York. And then it's also in my book, whenever the head of anything changes, they always change everything around it. So a new president came in and yeah. um, wanted a different kind of a show. So I went to Harris for three years and then the Venetian for three years. So all in all, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, about 12 years I was in Vegas and it was perfect for me because I wanted to stop traveling and I wanted to be home to raise my daughter and I wanted to be with my husband. So in Vegas, I went to Vegas to live a normal life and yeah. people usually go to Vegas to live out their fantasies. Yeah. And there I could take a car to my show and the audience took a plane. So the audience was jet lagged and I was well rested. And I was able to wear to um, bring my daughter to school in the morning and be there for because she'd go to sleep before I went to work. And she it was perfect. I loved it. Yeah. So when you're doing that kind of thing, are you constantly refining your I mean, do, do jokes have a shelf life well, in Las Vegas? I mean, there's people that probably want to come to see you again and again, but that's fine. No, because that's another thing. The audience changes every night. But I always try, try to write new jokes because I have so many people who come to see me over and over and over. So, yes, every time I go on stage, if I don't try something new, I feel like I failed, even if I do really well. But some people want to hear the old 
you know, like the I always leave a few on those ones, and then I ask for questions. And oh. you know, it's like Frank Sinatra. They say do pillows, and I go, okay, I'll do pillows. <laughs> <laughs> so once I had somebody say at the odd at the end um, of my act, I asked for questions, and he said, she said, why didn't you sing people? And I said, well, who do you think I am? What show are you? Oh my God. <laughs> So I hope she enjoyed herself because I and I didn't sing people. Well, somewhere somebody's asking Barbara Streisand to do the tennis joke with That's men. That's true. Do the, do the... <laughs> In another interview, you you attribute part of your this sort of I don't know what you call it a combination of of sensibilities. Your dad was cynical and your mother was silly. So how did, how does that turn into a Rita Rudner? Um, you know, I was always a little bit scatty, and my dad was you know very. Um, sarcastic so I, I mean I don't really know because I and my again my book I have I had a very tragic childhood where my mother was very sick and um died when I was 13 and then my father married someone who didn't like me which is why I left home at 15 mm -hmm. so I you know I don't I just I guess it just I did what came naturally like I never wanted to be a comedian who said the things in a rhythm that comedians say or I never wanted to start a joke with, you know what I hate? You know, I just avoided everything that comedians do. And I did the opposite. Well, for good gross, obviously. Yeah. So, well, this is not a technical thing about the internet, but has the internet, you know, everything goes, I mean, if somebody could record your joke or they hear a joke and they tell it on the, so the internet's, everything spreads. So mm -hmm. tomorrow, you know, um, any joke you told is everybody knows it or everybody's 10 million people. Yeah, but they still want to hear it again. And yeah. they they want to hear it in person. It's the same sure. thing with songs. You can listen yeah. to songs Yeah. and I'm always changing things. So even I can do the same joke in a different con context and people will think it's a new joke mm. because it came from, came at them from a different angle. You do so also, it depends on the way you say it. If you, if you say it, like you believe it, it's always going to be funny. Uh -huh. Yeah, you're right. So you these, you share these. Uh, you're involved in different things, and one of them was kiss for a cause. What's involved in that? Someone kisses, gets to kiss you, and then oh, that was so long ago. I think that was on the radio somewhere. <laughs> so back in the radio, the Victrola. Yeah. yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I've done so many charities that. Um, I can't really remember. I do remember that was a strange one, but I can't remember exactly what occurred. Maybe I blocked it out. Yeah, it was. I mean, back to dogs briefly. Um, I don't know if do you know, we interviewed Burt Ward, who played Robin on the Batman TV show. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, he owns 50 dogs. Oh. And he He's has a dog company. He, 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 he claims he, that they he can he make a couple of dogs. And they're this high and this wide, and he has fifty of them in his bedroom. Oh to me, God. it sounds like a setup. Like, but they show a picture of him in his bedroom with his wife, and there's like these just crowded, like Grand Central Station of dogs. And and I said, "What's your problem? What's your problem with them like pooping on the floor and oh. cleaning all that stuff up?" And he, and he says, "No, the problem is getting to the bathroom because I can't see; it's all dark. So I use their heads to like <laughs> navigate." <laughs> yeah, there's a picture of them online. It's amazing; it's like a carpet of dogs. Um, look, I I would show you my little girl Betsy. Yeah. Oh, here she is. Hang oh, on good. one second. Yeah, please. Betsy, there you are. Did you know I was talking about you? 
Her ears are burning. Oh. Cute. This is my little girl, Betsy. And can you believe a dog that's this beautiful that found her on the street? Starving, oh, oh my God. And here she is on my lap. That's and nice. she's just a beautiful little girl because my other dog died when she was 14 during the pandemic. And I oh. always need a dog. So this is my yeah. new rescue dog, Betsy. And um, my last dog was like um, my, my, my child. And this is like my grandchild. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's adorable. You need a lot she's of grooming. She's a beautiful little girl. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, those eyes, those dark I eyes. And she loves everybody. And she's no longer starving with a broken leg. Now she's living a nice life and she sleeps on the bed. And then she can gamble at night and go to the slots. No, so we're, yeah, so do you live, are you still living in Las Vegas? No, we, um, we sold our house during the pandemic huh. because I had two contracts and both of them fell through because of the pandemic. And then they closed the room I was supposed to work in and uh, we said, you know, it gets very hot here in the summer. And we'd been vacationing in um, on the beach in Orange County. And we said, let's move there. So we built a house. And now I live in Orange County. And I live at the beach. And it's beautiful. Nice. But I still have a new contract in Las Vegas. And I just did mm. a week there about two weeks ago. And I'm doing another week in July, another week in November. And it's perfect because I go there. And they treat me really nicely. And uh, they have good food. And uh, I go downstairs and go do the show. Again, convenience and money. It popped up yeah. again. And it's the South Coast Casino, which is a really nice casino that's um, closer to Henderson, but it's still on the strip. Uh -huh. With very nice people there. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of... I visited a friend in Henderson several years ago. Yeah, it's really some nice areas. I know. So I'm very lucky. I get to do things that I like and I still love doing my act. And get movie offers. I mean, you've been in a few a bunch of movies. You still get movie I just offers. that's how I got I just got an offer and I just did a Magnum PI, which was on a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, the oh. new Magnum that new, new, oh, yeah, the new Magnum PI. Yeah, it's on it's streaming on Peacock. Okay. And they and it's funny because they um they cast me as a woman who loves dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, have you have you been reading my book? And I said, no. So I bought him a copy. Yeah. Yes, you're smiling. Cool. So are there, how many, is a joke come sort of, I don't know how do you, I mean, do you have like a, a regimen, you know, it's time to write a new joke or? or no, not anymore. I used to. I yeah. used to because um, I was on stage every night and I was developing my persona and my act and, uh, you know, new jokes all the time. But now it's really difficult to write a joke in a vacuum. You have to do it in front of an audience. So oh. I always have new jokes prepared whenever I do my act, which I will be doing when I play the Bridgefield Playhouse on, let's see, I'm going to let Betsy down, Bridgefield Playhouse on April 26th. Yeah. Yeah, but that's Louis Anderson told me I used to have carry notebooks, which I still do. But Louis Anderson said, "Rita, come over here. <laughs> Press notes on your app. This is what you do. You do." He just he coached me through. He tried to teach me about Instagram, but I just I refused to learn because he was he loved social media and he did it all the time and he always tried to get me to do it. Yeah, yeah. it could be a curse. I mean, we we use computers in our work, so we're kind of stuck with it, but. Well, I use my, I have my, my jokes and um, my daughter told me how to save them so they don't disappear. So that's very comforting. 
Yeah. Well, so the husband like, and daughter who tells me how to do, they tell me how to do things. Yeah. So well, my, daughter, my daughter tells me how to work a smartphone. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, as mom, every picture I take has my finger in it and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Why well, hasn't anybody done like an album of thumb pictures, you know, a finger? You know, I um, could do one by myself. The best of, yeah. My the best of readers, best of readers. Next finger. So, you go on different talk shows. What's the most fun one to be on? Um, they're very. Uh, I don't really like them. They're a lot of pressure because you only have five minutes to prove yourself. Yeah, you better be funny. So they're not really fun. They're work, and I know that. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad that I I get on them sometimes, but. It's uh, it's a little bit more pressuring when you're a stand up. Stand up is my favorite thing because you get to have you know an hour and twenty minutes, and you can have peaks, you can have valleys, you can have go on um, tangents, you can do anything you want. But it's when you're on television, you better score right away, and it has to be perfect. So it's just it's not fun, but it's work, and I'm glad to have done it. But uh, that's not what I call fun. Yeah. A lot of pressure. So, so coming out of the end of COVID, I mean, was that a, did you come to any, you know, we're all quarantined and all that and scared to death or not, um, but did, did any life-changing pivotal decisions happen? That yeah, that's when we sold our, our house oh. in Las Vegas. Okay. We just decided, you know, if my contract gets canceled twice, I don't really want to work every night anymore anyway. Yeah, and um, I'm lucky where I can choose things I want to do and things I don't want to do. And Martin and I write plays, and we just did a play at the Laguna Playhouse, which was really successful. And we did that in January and February. And now we're writing a TV project with another friend. And in the meantime, I'm doing podcasts for my book, and um, I'm still doing my stand-up. So we we're still busy. Yeah. Excellent. Well, do you want to show the book again? Is it handy? You can just it might know. be right here oh with betsy on the cover too oh nice. Lord, she's my latest girl <laughs> and i had my dog bonkers who was another rescue and he was in my show for 10 years in vegas because he um was hit by a car and had a broken leg and was in a show and couldn't do the high jump anymore so i put him in my act uh -huh. wow. it's Thank me you. my dogs and my life my yeah. bad dates, my bad, my bad boyfriends, my good jobs, my bad jobs, my good decisions, my bad decisions. Any, any before we sign up, any, any odd little hobbies like stamp collecting or gardening or not that they're odd, but yeah. You know. Martin and I, we just came back last night because we, we play golf. <laughs> that's, that's weird. <laughs> to me, that's very strange. I never thought I'd play golf and I'm really bad. But I don't care because I like being outside yeah. and the birds and I like the trees and the flowers, especially this time of year in the spring. And I don't have allergies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So I think golf, that's the weirdest thing. Mm -hmm. And can you take, some people get so, I don't play golf, but you know, some people are so stressed out. I don't know why they do it because all they do is come back. No, I said, nothing's going to happen if I get the ball in the hole. What do I care? Yeah. No one's watching. Uh, <laughs> I just I have fun. Martin is, you know, he's, he's, he's more, um, he's, well, he's a, a type double triple A personality and I'm not. So that's why we get along. And he hits the ball. The first shot, he goes, well, my, my, um, 
my round is ruined now. We might as well just go home. You know, <laughs> I said, well, we just had one shot. He said, yeah, but it's not good. So it's, oh God. So I remember when I was nominated for um, uh, a Grammy, my first book that I did on tape and we went to the Grammys and it was very exciting. And we sat there and I was the first category and I lost and he grabbed me and said, let's go home. Oh. So <laughs> we left, we left after 10 minutes. <laughs> And that was okay because it was cold anyway, and I had to wear a gown when I didn't bring a a, um, a cover up. Yeah, remember those things. That's one of my mistakes. I should have brought a, a sweater to the Grammys. Yeah. Well, live and learn. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and it would be much easier if you learned and lived. But you know, I can't change everything. It doesn't work that way. No. No. So everyone, come see me, and I'll yes. be really funny, and I might wear my gown that costs two hundred and forty-one dollars, including tax. Oh. It's everyone, 26th at the Ridgefield Playhouse, which is just on the road for me. And, um, and then after that, you're in different cities. Then I'm in, red, did you say Red? Yeah, Red Red Bank, New Jersey. And then you're in Philly on the 28th. Red Bank. And then I'm in a casino in Philly, I think. Oh, right. Yes. So, so if you want to hear slightly different jokes and uh, three days in a row, come to all three. Yeah, they're not that far apart, all those places. They could. No, I won't have written a, a brand new act in, in that amount of time. <laughs> do you do topical? Do you ever like research and say, you know, what mayor is being uh, sued Never. for sexual harassment? Who cares? No, no. Okay. It's, yeah, it's no. more general human. Yeah. No. The next day, it's it's no good. And any people who do a nightly talk show should do that, but not me. Right. It's, it's a politically free zone. You don't yeah, have yeah, to yeah. We don't have to get on different sides and start yelling at each other. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So thanks for coming on the show. It's, it's well, thank you. Say hello to my cloud and thank you for having me. And yeah. it was fun. And here I go. Yeah. And thank you for doing my project that didn't work, but that's okay because it wasn't your fault. Yeah. Thanks. thanks, Rita. Yeah. Thank you. Bye.